Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday and a very special Monday, not just a back-to-work Monday, but an unbelievable radio show direct from JFK Airport, where over 330 Olim are going to be set in the next couple of hours to head to the Holy Land on the 50th charter aliyah flight of nefesh benefesh how amazing is that it's all coming up until nine o'clock this morning right here at jm in the am nefesh benefesh at jfk tomorrow from ben gurion airport on this very special journey edition of jm in the am And all through history, it's been so 
morning theme song. Well, yet another amazing week for us here at JMNAM, and that means for our listeners as well, of course. Uh, we take off for Israel with Nefesh Benefesh, believe it or not. No joke. Uh, we'll be on the uh, Aliyah flight heading to Ben Gurion Airport later today, and uh, then we'll be at Yeshivat Shalvim on the Wednesday and Ormei Obrach on Thursday before returning at the end of the week. Uh, this is the 50th charter flight of Nefesh Benefesh. Those of you who have uh, fond memories of the very beginning, you have those fond memories when you first heard about the concept of Nefesh Benefesh and heard about its first flight and how unique and different Aliyah will become because of Nefesh Benefesh? Well, now they are old hats at this. They are veterans. They have... Um, uh, tweak the Nefesh Benefesh program to the, pack, to the point where it is a well-oiled machine, to say the least. And today, over 30, 330 Olim, 330 North Americans, are going to be heading to Israel from the age of one and a half months all the way up to 75 years old, heading to uh, many different communities in Israel in a lot, in a lot of uh, different uh, lines of work, and from tens of states and... Um, provinces in North America, and that is all happening today. What's unique about this flight, by the way, is that uh, with the hundreds of people going, over 100 of them are uh, IDF soldiers. They'll be serving in the IDF when they get to Israel, which is pretty remarkable, and we'll meet uh, some of the folks coming up between now and 9 o'clock this morning. This is a a, a little bit of a strange scenario for me because uh, I never thought that we'd actually do and be on a Nefesh Benefesh flight and not be moving permanently to Israel. But hopefully it's a harbinger 
of things to come. Joined this morning by ZK to my right, by Stan in our studio, and of course Miriam L. Wallach, who's producing today's show and is uh, among our staff members, who's going to be on that flight later on as we get ready for a Ben Gurion Airport broadcast for tomorrow morning. But I don't want to jump ahead too much. I want to uh, first concentrate on this morning, get ready to greet some of the folks who are going to be here. We'll speak with uh, some of the Olim from years ago, coming up at the beginning of the 7 o'clock hour. And a special hello, good morning, and thank you to Rabbi Rachman here at the uh, JFK uh, Chapel. Those of you who have been to uh, John F. Kennedy Airport, you're familiar with the fact that there is, in fact, a Jewish chapel, a beautiful one, uh, which affords everybody the opportunity to uh, to daven, uh, to catch a minion, uh, to hear Megillah when necessary, and other special services when 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 uh, when appropriate. And in addition to that, to uh, just grab a break and uh, and have a place to arrest and gather your thoughts between flights, if in fact you're connecting through JFK. So I want to thank Rabbi Rackman. We'll speak with him later on this hour here at JM in the AM. More coming up. JFK Airport live on the air until 9 o'clock this morning with Nefesh Benefesh at JM in the AM.
Sun, you shine, Jerusalem. You're on my mind, you lift my soul, you echo the divine. The providence that guides us so that we may teach and all may know the hand that may admonish or reward. Given us this holy space, Jerusalem. To you I turn, I trace my steps back to you now again. Jerusalem is calling, Jerusalem is calling. Hear it echo through the canyons of your mind until you reclaim the things you left. There's nothing new, the map is old, 
It's left here for you to unfold A note, a memo, drifts down from on high And lands upon foundation stone The message is you're not alone Jerusalem will keep your dream alive Jerusalem is calling Jerusalem is calling J.M. in the A.M., Jerusalem is calling, as are uh, tens, if not hundreds, of other cities in kibbutzim and areas of Israel, as the uh, Nefesh Benefesh flight that takes off today, the 50th charter flight in the history of Nefesh Benefesh, will in fact um, bring people to a whole variety of places in Israel. It's unbelievable how many cities are represented on the list of where they're going. I would say that I have here at least uh, 50 to 55 different places, kibbutzim, Small towns, major cities, places from all the way up north, all the way down to a lot that will be uh, frequented by North American Olim after today. Must have been quite a night. I was thinking of this last night. Must have been quite a night for the over 330 North American Olim who are uh, heading to Israel today. That last night outside of Israel in the United States, in Canada, before their flights leave and before they start embarking on this journey. And... um it is an unbelievable honor to be with these over 330 heroes on this flight today. Um, official weather forecast. We'll turn to ZK. Is there a forecast for the flight? Do we know if we're taking off in cloudy or rainy or sunshiny weather? You've been following this, haven't you? What do we know about the flight conditions for 
noontime today. Partly cloudy. Partly cloudy is the official word. It seems like, seems like <laughs> ideal conditions to head to the Holy Land. There you have it. He, of course, has been our chief meteorologist for quite a while. Uh, so today, here in the JFK airport in the chapel area, uh, many dignitaries are expected at the departure ceremony, including the Deputy Council General at the Consulate General of Israel in New York, Shlomi Kaufman, uh, Chairman of the Israel Scouts, uh, Eli Ben-Yosef, Director of Aliyah Absorption and Special Operations Unit of the Jewish Agency for Israel, Yehuda Sharf, El Al's VP of North and Central America, Danny Sadon, and co-founders of Nefesh Benefesh, Rabbi Yoshua Fass and Tony Gelbart. And, of course, Rabbi Fass will join us at some point. You know, one of our listeners pointed out to me on Friday when Yael Katzman was with us from the Nefesh Benefesh offices in Israel, that generally when we do a Nefesh Benefesh interview, we start with the theme of making Aliyah today, the theme song. And I had to uh, I had to declare something that I thought was obvious, uh, but apparently it was not, that that theme song is only reserved for Rabbi, when Rabbi Fass, co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, joins us on the air. I was considering actually using it at other times this morning during this show as we get ready to head to the plane and uh, and join over 330 Olim from North America to Israel. I was considering actually using it, but I said, you know what, I think we'll save it for Rabbi Fass, and he'll join us most likely in the 8 o'clock hour this morning uh, for inspiring words. He always has um, wonderful things to say, and uh, I'm sure we'll hear a great update regarding Nefesh Benefesh as their 50th charter flight takes off later today. We can't wait to be part of it. The plan is that as soon as we land in Tel Aviv, we're going to be doing a radio show that you'll hear Tuesday between 6 and 9. I also remind you that the friends and family around the world can watch the live feed of the Olim landing in Israel. Uh, NB, that's live. That's on time and live at nbn.org.il slash live, nbn.org.il slash live. On Twitter, hashtag nbnlive. And, of course, you can follow as we post on um, on our Twitter feed at the Nahum Siegel Net. Uh, as we do that uh, throughout today and, of course, uh, tomorrow when we um, pre-record our radio show from Ben Gurion Airport. So keep that all in mind. You want to make sure to uh, follow us. I also asked on Facebook that if you know of anybody who's going today uh, to move to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh, let us know. We'll get to that later on as we'll read some of the Facebook feed responses that we got uh, from people that know uh, uh, folks who are on today's flight. And um, uh, we did that as well on Twitter, so on either one, you could respond and let us know who you know heading to Israel today. 28 minutes after 6 a.m., it's a J.M. in the A.M. Monday morning and the beginning of a very special week as we head to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh and try to uh, take in the incredible spirit and the uh, the wonderful feeling that is going to be uh, uh, happening both here in JFK and then, of course, on the plane itself and then in Ben Gurion Airport for the big celebration we will be staying in Israel until Thursday night. So you'll be hearing great programming from the Holy Land all week long. And uh, what a way to kick it off on this Monday morning, live from JFK at JM in the AM. I 
Monday morning live from JFK. Nefesh Benefesh takes off later today on their 50th charter flight. How amazing is that? I want to take this opportunity to thank some of the folks that have been helping us, uh, including our friends at uh, Talk and Save, who, as, uh, as usual, are going to be uh, making sure that we're connected back to the U.S. once we get to Israel. So thank you to the folks at Talk and Save, talkletterandsave.net. I want to thank PC Guy, who's been scouting out our locations in Israel. He's there, in fact, on the ground. Uh, for us already, uh, those of you who are uh, anxious to take advantage of his services, which we've been talking about for, oh, I don't know, eight years, nine years, whatever the case is, uh, he actually fixes your computer remotely. He does it from Jerusalem, even if your computer is in New York. It's an amazing concept. Um, PCGuy. You could search PCGuy on Facebook, and, well, the truth is you could search him anywhere on the, on the web. Uh, the exact web address escapes me this moment, but... Um, You'll be able to um, to find him, PCGuy at Sirkin.com, I believe, S-E-R-K-I-N.com. I want to thank our own staff, including uh, ZK and Miriam Al-Wallach, and, of course, Stan in our studio, and remind you that we'll be in Israel with Nefesh Benefesh tomorrow, and then Wednesday with Shalavim, and Thursday with Armeo Bracha in Yerushalayim. Facebook and Twitter accounts, those of you who are... Uh, Anxious to get shout-outs to those who are leaving for Israel today from Kennedy Airport. We welcome that. You can go to at uh, Nachum Siegel Net on Twitter. You can go to Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel on Facebook. Let us know who it is that um, that you'd like to say hi to. Also, if you want to catch us by email, Nachum at WFMU.org, Nachum at WFMU.org. That's something that we are checking every few minutes, and we'd love to get your messages on the air. Big thank you to Tani Kramer, who's uh, from the Nefesh Benefesh staff and has been working very hard uh, to make sure that we would be here in uh, Kennedy Airport and then again in Ben Gurion Airport. Airport shows are not easy to do. You need a lot of cooperation, a lot of technical luck usually. And uh, between uh, Tani Kramer and Rabbi Rackman and those who uh, have been extremely helpful, we have been able to pull this off and hopefully it'll be flawless until 9 o'clock this morning. JM in the AM, we continue at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, uh, 91.9 FM in Rockland County, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. We are live at Kennedy Airport. We're going to be joined soon by hundreds of Olim, people who have uh, uh, finally uh, reached their uh, their ultimate dream of moving to Israel. Nefesh Benefesh helped them make it possible. 
More coming up. Keep it here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
my lips to sing your praise, my heart to feel the joy. Let me have the gift for which I'm yearning, another night in Israel. Desert flowers blooming in the spring, the grapes upon the vine. Let me walk the beaches in the moonlight. Let me fall in love in Israel. Wherever you go, I will go. Having to follow my heart. the day of plowshares from our souls, a time to mend, a time to gather stones, a time for peace in Israel. Let me hear the voice of bride and groom, of laughter in the streets. the prayers of our children so they need not fear in Israel wherever you go
J.M. in the A.M., Sam Glazer in Israel. You'll find us in Israel, unfortunately, just for a couple of days, but you'll find the over 330 brand-new Olim with Nefesh Benefesh in Israel uh, starting uh, tomorrow morning because that's when the plane lands in Ben-Gurion Airport and this 50th charter Aliyah flight uh, will have completed its journey. You'll never believe how many Israeli soldiers, future Israeli soldiers, are on this flight, and we'll talk about that in one of our segments coming up. Plus, uh, years ago, uh, we, uh, and it's hard to believe it's so many years already, we spoke with uh, members of a specific family in Israel who uh, not only were with us when they made Aliyah, but were with us about a year later. And um, they're going to join us now. They've had a lot of family changes over the last 10 years, I can tell you that much, and they'll join us today uh, right around 7 o'clock this morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, in addition, of course, Nefesh Benefesh has uh, instituted a Go North, Go South program, a program that's now been combined encouraging people to head to both areas of Israel, all the way north above Haifa and south, of course, in the Negev and beyond. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up. Yesterday there was a retirement conference of, for Nefesh Benefesh in New York City because they are encouraging people of all ages to make Aliyah. Today's flight ranges in age from one and a half months to 75 years old. And um, they're trying to accommodate everybody who has a dream, no matter what age, no matter what circumstances they're in, and they're doing quite a job at it. We invite Rabbi Rackman, who is the chaplain of Kennedy Airport. Could you imagine this airport, which, um, oh, my gosh, how many people travel through Kennedy Airport on a daily basis and on a weekly basis and an annual basis? I have no idea. Uh, but when it comes to, uh, when it comes to, am I on? When it comes to the um, uh, Jewish services, when it comes to the... Uh, Shachris Mincha Marv, and just having a place to to be if you're in the airport and have nowhere else to go. The uh, Jewish chapel here and the congregation, the synagogue, the international synagogue at the Kennedy Airport has always been an amazing uh, place for everybody. Rabbi Rackman, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. How are you, Rabbi A lot of people travel through this airport on a daily basis, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Quite a number, to say the least. <laughs> and, you get the, and you get the opportunity to meet a lot of them. I meet a lot of Jewish travelers. I meet a lot of non-Jewish travelers when I'm not busy with the Jewish travelers. And when the Jewish travelers come by, you never know what it might be for. I heard you moments ago talk about impromptu minyanim that are always forming, of course, and those who are uh, uh, returning from yeshiva or going to different places in the United States and need a place just to be for a couple hours before their connecting flight, they'll end up in the international synagogue. For that reason, we now have in, and we've had this since, since I'm here, I'm here 11 years, a collection of Svarim. We have a Shas, Ramba, Mishnayis, Mishnah Brura. Uh, we have, uh, English books that people can read. We have Kamashim. Uh, my, my father passed away. I brought, I brought in his set of Torah Tamima, his set of Hamek Davar. So people have Mikros here. People can sit and learn while they're waiting for a flight or whatever. It's an international synagogue, and it seems to be an international-based medrash as well. That's what it is. Uh, how many years have you been here? Uh, as of last July was 11 years that I'm here. And this chapel, as opposed to, to, to the old one that many of us remember, which was in a separate building, is here in this terminal for how long? It's here in this building about uh, 11, 12 years. When they tore down the three separate uh, self you know, separate buildings for each uh, Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, they relocated us inside the building. The word downsizing w- was uh, born with with this concept. All right. And uh, it's much easier, I think, for the passengers to take advantage of the synagogue, like the day today when it's 
raining outside or if right. it's freezing or it's too hot, people wouldn't bother going outside, even to Daven or find a minion. Here in the building, it's very convenient, and they can use the air train, which loops around all the terminals to get here. And that's where it is, Terminal 4. For those of you who are uh, arriving on different flights from around the world, Terminal 4 has the chapels and the international synagogue. And we're the terminal where El Al is located, and you have also a Swiss Air. You have uh, Delta. Uh, Delta. Delta moved into the building about a month ago, Right. and uh, it's gotten crowded. Uh, Rabbi Rackman is the rabbi of the International Synagogue. Is there a website or other places where people can get, or the methods that people can get information about the synagogue? We have a very simple website, www.jfkshul.org. Makes it very simple. Very simple. Uh, And if they need special accommodations, if there are groups coming through, they could be in touch with you, correct? Well, one of the projects I've taken on over the last uh, eight, nine years is that whenever young people traveling during this, especially the summertime, it could be NCSY, USY, March of the Living, Birthright Israel groups. We host them before they get on the plane. We serve them light refreshments, cookies, popcorn, potato chips, soft drinks, and uh, make a little party for them. Those groups that ha- want to have orientation here in the building, in our facilities, we have a large room, which you're talking out of right now. That's right. Uh, called the Tri-Faith Chapels Museum. Uh, they can have orientation here, and uh, we also can have minyanim for those people who want to dive in the shul. And uh, it's a very interesting idea. We're expecting later this year the kids going to yeshiva. Right. All the different yeshivas. We have a large group of Mikhlala and, and uh, M- MMY, all different groups of kids traveling to Israel. And this is where uh, I remember when my uh, son went to NCSY Kolel, this is where we gathered for a little quick dinner and a nice ceremony as we sent them off. Th- that's correct. Uh, we, uh, we're here for the Jewish community to make them feel at home. We're like an oasis. Uh, was the was the Jewish chapel, the international synagogue, always like this? When it was in a separate building, I don't remember it being as frequented as this. When it was a separate building, it was difficult to get to. Right. So therefore, the, those chaplains who preceded me and all of the chaplains and rabbis who have been here have been Orthodox chap, uh, rabbis. Uh, didn't have the didn't have the what should I say? logistics logistics to do it. Right. Now we're we're in the building, which is the main international building, and uh, we get used, and I like it. And you've taken full advantage of it, and even if it's smaller than the old facility, it's still amazing that you're able to be here and to provide this type of service. We have Minyan and Mun Fast Days. We have Kriyasa Torah, uh, Onasar Beteves, uh, Shefa Sabat Thomas. The interesting thing is we, on Tanis Esther, we have Kriyas, we have Mincha, we have Kriyasa Torah. And then because people are leaving on an early flight, let's say they're leaving on a six o'clock flight, right. Shulchan Aruch has a special paragraph which says that if a person is an onusas, they're under duress, that you can read the Megillah. You don't have to wait till say Sakachav until the stars come out. So we read the Megillah early for them, and then go to, then they go to the plane. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, are there are there instructions or accommodations for someone who lands in this airport very close to Shabbos? Is there anything that people should be aware of if they land because the planes do get delayed very close to Shabbos? It has in the eleven years that I'm here. I had it maybe once or twice when people were delayed, and I'm not here in the building. Right. I'm not in the airport on Fridays. Right. Uh, I got a phone call once, and when I was at another job where I work as a Jewish chaplain in the hospital, and we arranged for those passengers who could not get home in time for Shabbos, for them to stay in the airport. We had the kosher food that was left on the plane delivered to the shul. There were two or three people who were stranded here. Unbelievable. And uh, at least they had a place to sit, to sure. daven, and have some food to eat. Even rest a little bit. But uh, the planes nowadays, 
won't take off from the the the, the depart. They won't depart from an airport unless they know almost exactly when they're going to land based upon the weather reports. Right. And, and, and Which means people have a chance from the place right. where they so get they on know, to make a decision. They know in advance right. whether they should get on that plane right. or not. All right, Rackman Kolakavot, thank you so much for all your help in helping us this morning and all the help you give the Jewish world all through the year. It's my pleasure, and uh, we wish everyone uh, a Shana Tova. Shana Tova. And as you probably always say, Nisiatova as well. Yes. <laughs> JM in the AM, live from Kennedy Airport, as Nevis Benefesh gets ready for their 50th chartered Aliyah flight. I thank her by Rackman. He's been extremely helpful to us technically and helpful to so many thousands of people throughout the entire year here at the airport. This is JM in the AM. As I was walking down a dark and lonely street, a car came along and pulled up by my side. And inside was a rabbi with a long white beard. He said, son, I'm going to take you for a ride. Why don't we go up to Jerusalem? Oh, up to Jerusalem. Yeah, up to Jerusalem with me. Yeah. of Egypt and Pharaoh's army stood in front of me but I saw Moses walking through the path in the water Moses said son won't you come along with me why don't we go up to Jerusalem oh up to Jerusalem With me Why don't we go Up to Jerusalem Oh, up to Jerusalem Yeah, up to Jerusalem With me
back in Los Angeles. I said, hey now, look around, what do you see? Now when you had your fill of that craziness, why don't you hop a plane sing along? Up to Jerusalem, and uh, so many people, over 330 Olim, are going to be heading up uh, to Jerusalem and a whole bunch of other cities and great places in Israel over the next uh, few days because uh, they're landing in Israel tomorrow morning in a ceremony that's going to be uh, yet another incredible celebration with the folks at Nefesh Nefesh. They've celebrated many times, not just 50. Today's the 50th charter flight. They've had celebrations in Israel hundreds of times as people go on flights all through the year to uh, move to Israel. And uh, today, the landmark, the um, incredible achievement that's being recognized that this is the 50th charter Aliyah flight, the final one of the summer of 2013. People from everywhere in North America heading to everywhere in Israel. And uh, joining us next, uh, one of the co-founders of Nefesh Benefesh, who takes great pride every single trip, and I'm sure today, it being the 50th, uh, he takes even uh, more pride in what is happening today with Nefesh Benefesh. Coming up next, Rabbi Yoshua Fass, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WNYX Montgomery, around the world, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmandtheam.org. <laughs> Yeah. 
Well, when that uh, theme song is used on our airwaves here at JM and the AM, it can mean one and only one thing. That's Rabbi Josh, Rabbi Yoshua Fast, the co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, is uh, with us. Uh, in this case, live at JFK Airport as we celebrate Nefesh Benefesh and their 50th Charter Aliyah flight. Rabbi Fast, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Unbelievable. 50 charter flights, and I'm sure that this one is just as beloved to you as the previous 49 and all the other group flights that have been happening over the last decade plus with Nefesh Benefesh. Even more beloved. <laughs> really? People would think that at this point, hey, it's old hat for you. No. And for some reason, that doesn't happen. It's never old hat. First of all, in a few hours, a couple of hours from now, we're going to see around 300 or so Olim come into these doors and just with the incredible excitement and anticipation and nerves and, and it creates a whole new atmosphere, a new atmosphere and new energy. And, uh, and for them, this is their aliyah. So for maybe for us, we've done this 50 times or hundreds of, of group flights. But uh, you have to mirror the excitement and the energy of the Olim. Rabbi Fass is going to join us later on. There's a lot to talk about, especially uh, this news about how many soldiers are involved in this flight, about how many different cities, north and south, and Israel people are heading to, which is, a, I know, a big, big undertaking for Nefesh Benefesh to encourage people to go to different areas of the country. And, boy, that's proven to be successful. Uh, people from so many different professions, and, again, we'll talk about all of this in detail coming up. The... Um, one can only wonder about what you expected when this dream began and, in fact, what happened all these years later. How closely did the two match in terms of the dream and the reality? Not close at all. I did not expect us to... Um, initially, let's, let's rewind. Initially, when we, when we created, when we founded Nefesh, I thought it would be a supplementary service to the entities, to the institutions that exist. That for those who wanted to go but unable to, we would facilitate that aliyah and just be able to increase the numbers annually. I never thought that we would be the outsourced body for the Jewish agency, for the government of Israel, for Kakao, for JNF, for the army. And that creates tremendous amount of responsibilities, but also tremendous amount of joy as well, just seeing the different accomplishments and seeing how the ripple effects of your actions and also the national needs and causes being fulfilled by the human capital, by the aliyah that you're bringing to So Israel. when you first... Uh, when this concept first began, essentially, it was grants and whatever else we could do to make things easier for people. Correct. That's it. That's it. Uh, because we knew at the time that things were, you know, it wasn't always the easiest thing to go through the process of Aliyah, etc. It took a long time. Even when you got to Israel, that whole process. So you've obviously condensed all of that, and people are ver- well familiar uh, with the way you've done that and how incredible the service is now. Uh, in addition to that, you felt it was important to give financial incentives, that that would be a very big part of getting people to move if they felt that there was a financial support system for them. Correct. And uh, and that continues until today. That continues, and it's supplemented by the government also. We lobbied in the first few years to create this financial basket, the Salklita for Olim, and that was behind the scenes. So that was able to complement and supplement some of the funds that we were giving, which enables us to use funds to, to for other ventures and to increase Aliyah in other ways. Right. So now is the government of Israel the most supportive they have been about Aliyah in their history or not when it comes to finances? In history, that's a huge, huge... Right, that's a big question. That's a big question. But over the last two decades, I think, yes, I think there's a tremendous commitment and uh, atmosphere and an approach to Olim that there is a real need for Aliyah, there's a value to Aliyah, that Zionism, Zionism is very much needed and alive, and it's being reciprocated by the government of Israel. So they've made quite an investment in this. Absolutely. Rabbi Yoshua Fass, co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, 
the um, we've spoken about and we've seen the growth go from the United States to Canada. Right? I assume the United Kingdom still has an active uh, absolutely still has an active nefesh benefesh system. Yes, in I'm place. sorry, I don't have the accent, but yes, <laughs> and and I would assume the summer is also a very popular time, just like here. And same. So there are hundreds of individuals moving from from the UK. Right. Have other countries and uh, and Jewish leadership in other countries beyond those we just discussed ever been in touch with you about creating a system or them creating a system based on your model where they are? Dozens. Like, name them. Spain has said absolutely. The Jewish community Argentina, of Spain, Spain, Mexico, Jewish communities in South, South America. Af- yep. South America, South Africa. Absolutely. And, it, ha, and even though they don't have an official Nefesh Benefesh program in those countries, do, have they incorporated they've, some of the things? No, they've extended their arm and they've asked us to to help either create our own uh, initiative there or to help uh, to help arch- orchestrate uh, something similar in those countries. However, we have our partners, Jewish Agency, Government right. of Israel, that uh, that we're very sensitive of how we expand and when we expand. Right now, our expansion is with the lone soldiers. Right now, we help every lone soldier from around the world. So we have, we'll talk about this later, right. but we have an international staff of every language that's, you know, within a, within our organization that deals with the limb from around the world. But in theory, if you went or you or anybody else went to Argentina or to South Africa, would it be a successful program? Are there a lot of people in those countries who really are anxious? There's definitely a need in many, many countries of individuals who want to move to Israel, and, and certain answers uh, need to be addressed. The issue is, is is the logistics of creating something similar, the, the finances of creating something similar, the politics and sensitivities of creating something right. similar. And it's it's something uh, that you need to pause before you navigate. Right. Are we worried about how the host country or or it's the everything? There's different cultures, there's different sensitivities. Absolutely, absolutely. Even uh, there was a tremendous learning curve of when we started our international program for the lone soldiers of what we're allowed to say and how we're allowed to say it and who's allowed to fly and how we're allowed to advertise in every single country. And it's not only in the governmental rules, regulations, with tax authorities, but also legalities, but also within the, the sensitivities of the communities of how they want to represent themselves within visa. The, the government and how they want outside bodies to be facilitating an army, a foreign army. It's a tremendous, tremendous sensitivities that I would never th- thought of before going in. And even just the sensitivity, the nuances within the cultures. You can use buddy families. I, I use the word buddy families right. or adoptive families for, for American chayalim who want to have a buddy family who will adopt them and take care of them for Yom Tovim and take them in for Shabbatot. Um, you can't use that word in certain countries because that's a very sensitive word. A buddy family, adoptive family, um, who, what stranger is taking in my 18, 19-year-old? It's, uh, it's a very, it's cultural nuances that, that take a long time to actually study and to implement. Unbelievable. It does sound like you've had uh, many different hurdles then over the last many years. A lot of hurdles, a lot of obstacles that had to be overcome and had to be na- navigated and this, negotiated. No one said this was easy. <laughs> I understand, but, but it seems to, at least on the outside, it seems to never really uh, get you guys down. It fantastic. seems fantastic. If that's the impression, it, it seems you're full steam ahead, <laughs> yeah. no matter what the obstacle is. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm right about that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's amazing. A lot of people would be discouraged. A lot of people would say, no, it's not worth it. I'm going to throw my hands up in, in frustration. But because." It, but it's worth it. Every day it's worth it. It's worth it seeing the smiles on the faces of the Olim. It's worth it when you see the impact of what the Olim are bringing to Israel. It's, it's worth it when you see that you're making a dream come true. And that's not only for that family, for that individual, but it could be a dream of generations coming true. 
some, many of these people making Aliyah, this is the dreams of their great great grandparents. Yeah, and it's just, and you have to pinch yourself for a moment that this is a living miracle, and we have the schut to be part of it. And as many obstacles that come your way, you have to keep your eye on on the, why you're doing this. Aside from me not staying permanently, is there any other sadness that happens to you today when you see all these? Uh, um, you know, final goodbyes, in some ways final, maybe in other ways not, but all these goodbyes are taking place at the airport. Is there a, a tinge of sadness when you see the separation of families or when you, you know, understand because you've gone through it what they're going through with this whole separation? I've seen tens of thousands of goodbyes and it's, it, it always, it always gets to you. It, it always gets to you. And you'll see today, especially today with a flight of 135 Chaylim, 18, 19 year olds, and the parents are going to be bringing him, them to the airport and to see that last bracha before they go into the army and the last hug and kiss. Um, and they're sending them out not just to learn in a, a year or to go and to move to Israel, but they're fighting and defending our people and our land. And it's uh, very emotional. And then it's it's counterbalanced, but when they land and you see 1,500 people just scoop these heroes, these right. alim, into, into their hearts and into their... Into their into their families, it's a beautiful, beautiful counterbalance. But it definitely is difficult today to see. Unbelievable! All right, Rabbi Fass, a little more later on. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you all. Unbelievable, nefesh benefesh, everybody. I said this on Friday. I am I am starting to really. Uh, really get into the emotion of this event as we get ready for the flight later today and, of course, landing in Israel on Tuesday with this incredible group of heroes. That's the theme That's the theme song, Making Aliyah Today. More coming up. We're going to be joined by members of a family that were with us years ago when they first made Aliyah. Today, the kids who are with us on the air in elementary school are married with children of their own. Imagine that. That's coming up and plenty more if you keep it right here. At JM in the AM.
from Kennedy Airport. Could you imagine? We're later today. Over 330 Olim are going to be heading to Israel, and we will be on the flight. Tomorrow you'll hear the big celebration in the Ben-Gurion Airport between 6 and 9 a.m. Uh, I am told that we have both uh, Aliza and Shira Abraham with us live via telephone. Back in 2003 and 2004, they were stars on the air as they were making Aliyah, and then we were checking in with them a year later. Uh, in fact, I heard the 2004 interview last night that uh, Shira did at the time, 
And that Aliza did. I think it was Aliza who did that interview at the time. And at that time, she was going into seventh grade. And uh, years later, things have changed a bit. Uh, Shira, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. And Aliza, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Uh, Aliza, it was you who was going into seventh grade about ten years ago, right? No, I was going into sixth grade. Oh, you're going into sixth grade. And we were doing yeah. an interview at that time. And you recall the interview we did a few years back, right? Right. Uh, things have changed. You're no longer a sixth or seventh grader. I was told that you're actually a married woman with at least one child. Am I right? That's right. I had my first baby three months ago, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> wow. Mazal tov. Thank uh, you. Hard to, believe, hard to believe your parents are grandparents, but I hear that that happened a while ago already. <laughs> yeah. Baruch Hashem, Shira is. Thanks to that. Thanks to Shira. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. All right, so uh, at that time, the focus of our conversation was the transition to Israel. We had spoken about uh, making friends. We had spoken about uh, going to school, trying to study Hebrew textbooks, being in touch with people in the United States. At that time, you were telling us how amazing email is. I can only imagine today, uh, with all the advancement in technology, how much easier it is to be in touch with everybody. So uh, could you tell us... Uh, 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 tell us, Aliza, what is life like now that you're married, you have a family? What is it like all these years later? What would you recommend to those who are thinking about heading to Israel? Um, I think that when we spoke a lot of years back, we said that life was great and it's so great being here. And I could genuinely say that I think that every day it just gets better. And every year it just gets better. And now I could say that now that I know Israel and I'm a little bit more in the culture, there's Nothing better that my parents could have ever done for us than make Aliyah. Um, I think that life here is about living a bigger picture, and it's about giving up maybe on a little bit of our personal pleasures in order to help the better good of the whole Jewish people. And I feel like here we're living the future of the Jewish people, and I'm able to give that to my family too. And I don't know, I just feel like life here is amazing, and my tip to everybody would be make Aliyah. <laughs> That's uh, Aliza Abraham. We'll get Shira in in the conversation now. Uh, Shira, not only, I, I would assume you agree with everything that Aliza just said, you could tell us yes or no, but in addition to that, if I recall the way your family worked, it was really the kids who made sure to remind their parents all those years living in New Jersey just how urgent it is to move to Israel. Am I right? That's true. That's true. It started out that we made a booklet for my parents and put up signs all over the house saying, where do you want to call home with a picture of the Kotel and, and pictures of the Israeli flag. And we made a uh, booklet that had all different things about working in Israel and where you can live and to make life as easy as possible. And after all the years of hearing them talk about Israel and how important it is, we said, yeah, let's see it. We want to see it happen. We want to come. We want to live what we've been saying. And they finally uh, made the dream come true with the help of their children. They huh? did. They made the dream come true. And I have to agree a thousand percent with what my sister said, that it's the biggest present that you could give to your children, not only to your children, but to your grandchildren and all the generations after is moving to Israel. Like she said, you're part of the Jewish nation here. You're mamash writing the history. You're writing the history. Aliza, Abraham, and Sheila. my parents' neighbors that whenever he tells a story, like, oh, this is a history book. This is what we learned in history. And this is us now. We're the ones that the kids are going to be laughing and say, hey, this is what we're learning in history. No question about it. Aliza. Kira said, yeah. Yesterday I was talking to my father about Aliyah, and, and I mean, we're coming up to our 10-year anniversary, 
And I was saying how it's the best thing that you could do for your children, and it's the biggest present that you ever gave to us, that we live here in Israel. And he said, you know, you always say that, but it's not only a present that we gave to you, it's also the greatest thing that we did for ourselves. Our whole family transformed so much when we came to Israel, and we, like, life is about something else here. When you live here in Israel, life is about so much more. And he said, it's not just for the children and for the generations after, and for the whole Jewish people, but also we gain so much from making Aliyah. So, not just the children, Unbelievable. everybody gains so much. <laughs> Unbelievable. Aliza, Shira, Abraham, where are you living? Where are, where are both your families? So, I live in Bethel. Um, I'm married and I have four children. Wow. And my husband is in Yeshiva there in Bethel, and I teach in, in Bethel. That's where we're living now. And I live in Mitzpah, And my husband's also in Yeshiva there, and Farah Hashem. <laughs> Beit El and Mitzpah Yericho. You didn't just make Aliyah. You really, you you did the full fledged thing. Unbelievable. Uh, Actually, when, and, uh, when they asked about doing the interview, I was thinking, oh right, I made Aliyah. I totally forgot about that whole side. You forgot about you forgot You forgot about us in the United States. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Sounds guilty. Well, well we haven't forgotten about you. I also kind of feel like. I'm sorry that I can't give my children the experience of making Aliyah and that Nefesh Benefesh Day of coming and everybody greeting you. And I feel like I also want to give that to my children. So we're just going to have to live it every day instead of having just one big Aliyah day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're not going to be disappointed about that. Aliza, Shira, send best to your parents. Thank you so much for joining us and the continued success in the Holy Land. Thank you very, very much. We're waiting for you. Uh, Bezrat well, Hashem, I appreciate I appreciate that. I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, Aliza and Shira Abraham here at JM in the AM, and we thank them for joining us. More coming up on this very special Monday morning edition from JFK Airport as the folks at Nefesh Benefesh will be escorting over 330 Olibs straight to the Holy Land. This is JM in the AM.
off of the Pioneers for a Cure CD that is Am Yisrael Chai. What other words could we say today as we get ready to escort or to be part of this incredible trip to the Holy Land? We have special guests sitting in front of us. We're going to get to them, but first we're going to go to our phones because um, I am told that in Israel, um, in Israel, Kim Efrat is standing by. Uh, Kim, are you there? I'm here. Great to speak to you. Kim Efrat is at the uh, Nefesh Benefesh offices in Jerusalem. She's a pre-Aliyah team manager for North America. Kim, explain what that means. That means that I work with a team of seven other people, um, really to help people realize their Aliyah dreams. We're in touch with people from the moment they come into um, they come in to talk to us, whether it's via email, phone, Skype, webinar. Um, seminar, workshop, individual meeting, and um, we really are there to escort them and support them throughout the whole process. Oh, so you'd be a good person to ask this question. In, in addition to all the hundreds that are going, you know, each season to Israel and the thousands that, you know, collectively go on these flights um, uh, to make Aliyah, in addition, I would guess there's probably, I don't know, thousands or tens of thousands that in some way, shape, or form have started contact with Nefesh Benefesh through uh, email, the website, webinars, and all the other methods you just mentioned. Are those numbers as uh, as high as I think? We have many thousands of people who we call, you know, in the pipeline, meaning people who have contacted, contacted us um, via any of the modes of con- the communication that I mentioned earlier. We also have people who are on our newsletter list and their first-time click-throughs to banners, and we have, you know, multiple methods um, that people can enter our doors. And um, we try not to have anybody fall through the cracks and try to follow up with everybody who's trying to make Aliyah, um, their dream, turn into reality. Well, knowing how Nefesh Benefesh works, I'm sure your team is doing amazing work. Uh, has a lot changed over the years in dealing with people from North America? Have there been considerations or different things that have happened or have been... Uh, I don't know, that have come up in the last couple of years that was different than years ago? Interesting. I'm going on my ninth anniversary of working with Nefesh Benefesh. I started out in the employment department. Now I'm in the a team manager in Prealia. And um, throughout the years, really, the concerns stay the same. People are concerned about finding jobs, about finding the right communities, uh, and schools for their children, and the health care system, and finances, and the actual, the actual process itself. So the concerns themselves really stay the same um, throughout the years, and we're here really to address all of those concerns and to provide support throughout the process of all of this. Um, and we fine-tuned the system over the years. We've become more and more, um, I would say, fine-tuned in, um, in our response and in our support, and um, we're more proactive in terms of government, you know, making changes on the government level as well to ease the process for a little what is your reaction to over 30% of this flight being soldiers going into the Israeli army? It's incredibly exciting to see that many young people going into the IDF. I mean, people who not only leave their families and leave their friends and leave their homeland and the whole Lechacha, you know, aspect, but to go, come and to go really almost straight into the Israeli army is really a phenomenon that I don't know that we could have envisioned that years ago. Such it is amazing. We have on their part that they're willing to come and serve. You know, many in combat so, units. 
we have soldiers coming up in just a minute, and it's uh, we'll hear their story, and it's just multiplied by by so many. It's incredible. Uh, uh, Kim Efrat in um, in the uh, pre Aliyah management department for North America in uh, the Nefesh Benefesh headquarters in Jerusalem. If anybody wants to start this process, Kim, very simple, right? NBN.org.il or 866-4-ALIYAH, probably the two prime right. methods that you'd recommend. We have pre-ALIYAH advisors that answer the phone 3 p.m. to 12 a.m. Um, business hours, really, in, um, in, uh, in North America. Toll-free so um, during U.S. business hours. We're here, really, to help at every stage. You know, I always say from the moment somebody starts thinking about it till the moment they get on the plane and from the moment they get off the plane and on the plane, really at every stage we're here to help make it, help make it happen. Yeah, Nefesh Benefesh made that pledge years. And we are awaiting tomorrow's arrival of 330, 331 Olin tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's going to be remarkable. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and continued success. Okay, it's great speaking to you. Okay, forward to greeting you on the other side tomorrow. Have a wonderful flight. Thank you very much. So Kim Efrat in the, uh, the Nefesh Nefesh Jerusalem headquarters. Uh, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizu. Michtam Elio says, the fact that we have a Yishuv in Eretz Yisrael today is a nace. It's a miracle. It is among the great chasodim that Hashem has bestowed upon His nation. We are able to come from one extreme, the point of Chorban Europa, the Holocaust, to the other extreme and reestablish the yeshivas in the great centers of Yiddishkeit in Eretz Yisrael. We have to remember, though, there is an Eretz Yisrael de la Mata and an Eretz Yisrael Shalmaila, one that is below and one that is above. They both must exist simultaneously. We say in davening, Dovar Tziva Le'elef Dor. It has been thousands of years since we have gone into Golos, into the exile. How does the Ava, the great love, remain in our heart? The Michtam Elio explains, it's because of the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. That Kedusha continues to draw us near, no matter how long the bitter Golos is. This is the Yerusha, the inheritance that we have from Avraham Avinu. He was Moshe Nefesh. He self-sacrificed for the Nisayan, the challenge of Lech Lecha. The Talmidim of the Belzer Rebbe, Reb Shalom of Belz, had drawn water for the Maim Shalono, the special water which is used to bake matzahs. When they finished their task, they were leaving the water overnight to use the next day. They wished the Rebbe, L'Shana Haba, B'Yerushalayim, next year in Yerushalayim. The Rebbe asked, why next year? We can take this water that we drew today and we can bake matzahs in Yerushalayim and eat them in the presence of Mashiach tomorrow. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. and the A.M., we've got to do our Elul shofar blowing. It is, of course, the month of Elul, and the custom is to blow the shofar. Oh, sorry about that, ZK. How about this for Elul shofar blowing? want to thank everybody who's checked in on Facebook and Twitter, among those uh, Moshe and Sharon Zucker and Debbie and Dove Raps, who we anticipate seeing later on today at the airport. They spent their last night in the United States last evening, and they are heading to the Holy Land. Aryeh uh, Durgel, an 18-year-old 
who is scheduled to join us. Um, we have a special greeting from his mom who wrote to us on uh, either Facebook or Twitter, and we will go through that entire feed coming up, those who have special regards for people who are moving today to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh. All right, we've got uh, two soldiers in the Israeli army heading to the Israeli army coming up uh, in the next couple of months. Joseph Portnoy of Minnesota is a chayal who's going south to the southern part of Israel. Alexa Horowitz of Chicago, Illinois, is a chayalet going north to the northern portion of Israel. To both of you, we say shalom. Welcome to JM and the AM. Thanks. Hi. Uh, why would a young man from Minnesota decide to go to the Israeli army? Um, it's been a lifelong dream of mine ever since I was 16, I guess. I May started, I ask how old you are? I'm 22. Okay. Just turned 22. I, uh, I went to Camp Ramon, Wisconsin, right. and it's a very Zionistic camp, a very idealistic place. And um, we learned a lot about Israel and everything that Israel does for the Jewish people around the world. And then um, going into my senior year of high school that summer, I went on Ramah Israel seminar in Poland. And that experience all, all around was very, was very impactful on me, um, seeing everything that happened in Poland. One of my counselors on that trip, who I met um, just a couple weeks before we left, um, he was joining the Army at the end, um, and so he had a... He was a really meaningful person in my life, and so. Uh, but how many people who went to Ramah end up in the Israeli army? I'd like to know. Not it a can't lot. be that large a not, percentage. Not a lot. Um, <laughs> I think, I think uh, Israel's a huge part of what they what they preach and what they want people to do, and everyone takes it in their own way. Whether it's volunteering there, leading birthright trips, or just traveling there and spending time in Israel. Are your parents happy with this decision? Um, yeah, I think. I think. Whether they're happy with the decision itself, they're happy that I'm happy and I'm doing what I want to do. Right. And uh, so I guess that's... And that's, when we say you're going south, that means to live or that's where you'll be serving? Um, that's where we'll be living. So me and the religious, the Dati group from America is going to live on Kibbutz Alumim. Um, and that which, is south. Which is in the south in the Negev. So that's where we'll be living, doing Ulpan for the first couple months and then... When we join the Army, that'll be our, our home away from the Army. Joseph Portno of Minnesota. Alexa Horowitz of Chicago. Why would a young lady from Chicago decide to go to the Israeli Army? Um, I have a very similar so- story to Joseph here. Um, I went to Camp Young Judea my whole life. I started when I was seven. And then when I was 15, I started really thinking about making Aliyah. And um, I had a couple of moments where I like knew what I really wanted to do, but what really pushed me over the edge was when um, I realized the only reason I was excited to go to college was to learn about Israel and to do Israel advocacy. So instead of pretending to live in Israel, I figured I should actually just do it. All right, and if you and now you've decided to move to Israel. Right. And I, I, I would assume there are a lot of different options in terms of how we would or would not incorporate Army service into your life there. You've decided to incorporate it. Yeah. Um, I feel that the only way to really understand Israeli society and to be accepted is to join the Army and if you want to live there, you've got to give back some way, and this is definitely the best way to do it. And when we say you're going up north, that means? Kibbutz Levi next to Tiberia. Oh, very nice. We're very familiar with Kibbutz Levi. Yeah, it's got really good milkshakes. Yeah, it's a great area. It's a wonderful place to be, and that's where you'll be, I guess. That'll be the center of your new home yeah. as you do this. Uh, and, and the Army service, and I understand this not just from you guys, but from others as well, begins basically in October, November in that area of the calendar? 
Yeah, that's when we get enlisted. And when do you, what do you have to do between now and then? Is there a lot to do or very little to do between now and then? Um, it, there's a lot to do. A lot of official paperwork. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of paperwork, a lot of ulpan, learning Hebrew, fixing our American accent, stuff right. like that. A lot of things just to get acclimated with society. The more Hebrew you learn, the better off you'll be, huh? Yeah. Exactly. I can imagine. And does anyone walk into the uh, army with a specialty? Like, is there a, uh, or, or everyone does the basic training and then we see where things go? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, just basic training. I have a degree in economics, so right. it's probably not going to be the most useful thing in the <laughs> You may not make the best spy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have any uh, aspirations within the Army itself, or you'll see how things go? Uh, within the Army itself, my dream job would be Deber Sahal. It's like uh, PR for the Army, sure. but it's really hard to get. So I'll probably just be a Majucha. Very nice. Boy, you guys are real Jewish heroes. Do you know a lot of the other soldiers that are traveling today, or you know none of them? Because there are over a hundred that are going to be on the flight. Um, we know some of them because we have seminars with with Karin Sabar that we meet right. up with them, and then some of them we just know through life. Like so I know the, Joey. So. So there are people from the Midwest who know each other, have grown up together, etc. And and what do your parents think of this whole thing? Uh, my parents are thrilled. When I told them, they're like, "I'm so jealous. You're living my dream." I got full support from the family. <sighs> Must be a great feeling. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Portno of Minnesota and Alexa Horowitz of Chicago, soon to be in the Israeli army. Kalakavod to both of you. Thank it's you. a pleasure to sit down on a Monday morning with some Jewish heroes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Amazing. JM and the AM as we broadcast live from Kennedy Airport and we get ready for today's flight to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh. Those of you out there who are just tuning in, it is an unbelievable group of people that we are traveling with, real Jewish heroes. And uh, in this case, uh, maybe maybe some would say even more than usual because so many of them are heading straight to the Israeli army. On Facebook over the weekend, we asked for people uh, to let us know about folks who are on today's flight, uh, if there's special shout-outs that they want. Um, I, wanna, I want to again acknowledge the, uh, the Raps family who's going to be moving to Israel today uh, from Teaneck, New Jersey. Listener Judy told us, that uh, Dina and Ilan Davidowitz are um, are heading from the um, United States to Israel today on this flight, and we wish them the very best. I was told by listener Jill that MDS Ivrit Mora Gila is moving to Israel today, Mazal Tov. I am told that uh, listener Bruce wants to give a shout-out to the Raps and the Edelman families, a big shout-out, and Bruce says we'll see you at Ben Gurion Airport. Then we have plenty of listeners who are chiming in with their jealous comments about how jealous they are that they wish they were going. Uh, and listener Stu says, can we bring back 25 kilo of marzipan rugelach and five marciano shawarmas? I don't know if we'll have room for that, but hey, <laughs> I have a feeling we may check out those places at some point. And listener Philip in Israel tells us that he made Aliyah on a Nefesh Benefesh flight back in 2000. And six. JM in the AM. If you want to get to our uh, Facebook update page, Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel, Jewish Radio World with Nahum Siegel on Twitter at Nahum Siegel Net. More coming up from JFK Airport on an amazing day, the 50th charter flight in the history of Nefesh Benefesh. The sky is so blue, blue in Jerusalem. Wisdom is so high, you can see it in the eyes of the people that pass you by. Oh, the sky is so blue. 
song that is so appropriate for today. Jewish people come home. Nefesh Benefesh is making sure that hundreds come home today, and they make sure all through the year that thousands come home with their incredible programs and their wonderful incentives and their uh, programs that encourage Aliyah uh, from North America, from England, from so many places around the world. And uh, we're going to be meeting people from all parts of North America today as over 330 Olim Go on a flight from JFK to Israel. Tomorrow on JM and the AM, you're going to be able to hear the incredible sounds of the celebration on a Tuesday at Ben-Gurion Airport when everybody lands in Israel. So today there's a separation. Tomorrow there's an amazing reunion. And then uh, we'll broadcast Wednesday from Yeshivat Shalavim and Thursday from Armeo Bracha in Yerushalayim. Dorit Friedman is here. Dorit Friedman is among many staff members who just arrived from Israel in New York City. Uh, Director of Strategic Partnership at Nefesh Benefesh. And today, as we celebrate 50 charter flights in the decade-plus of Nefesh Benefesh, we should note that Dorit Friedman was the first employee 
at Nefesh Benefesh 11 years ago. Welcome to JM and the AM. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, the first employee, I guess uh, the goals, the dreams were a bit more modest than what things actually became. Am I right? Well, the reality has surpassed our dreams. Which is amazing. Which is exciting, which is incredible. And uh, uh, it's wonderful to be a messenger in this in this mission. And um, when we say 50, obviously it's just an arbitrary number, but there is some significance to it. It's a big milestone. And you look back at all this and you say to yourself, 50 chartered flights plus all the group flights and the tens of thousands of people. Over 100 group flights. Which is unbelievable. And the whole thing is just incredible. And the summer is always a very special time because these charter flights are filled. And they are, uh, they, they, they're on the, I'm sure they're on the calendar ready for next year, right? And people are already planning to be on that. They are. They on are. those for next summer. So tell me about Go North and Go South. Uh, I was somewhat skeptical about whether New Olim would in fact uh, go into outlying areas of the country. And look what's happened. They're, they've both become very successful areas. Absolutely. Um, less than five years ago, our organization was uh, challenged to bring a 1,000 Olim within five years to the north. And the organization took the challenge, much to the skepticism of many people, because those of us who have been living in Israel know very few people who have moved to the north. Right. It has been difficult there. And Olim generally don't go there. Um, but we understood that if we take the model, the general model of Nefesh Benefesh, and we apply it in a boutique way to the north, we create uh, employment centers in the north, we create community advisors from the north, we even gave vehicle subsidies to, to be able to allow people to work from one area and live in another area, and, and the problem was solved. And we saw within three and a half years, we surpassed our goal. And now we have applied that model to the south. And this is a very exciting and ambitious project which we are already starting to see success. Any reason to believe the South won't be as successful as the North? Not at all. The South is a vibrant place. Kvishesh, the new road, is reaching all the way down south. The train reaches to Beersheba. Beersheba is blessed with a very young and uh, entrepreneurial and innovative mayor. And we're seeing... Um, technology moving down there. There are over 30,000 students that live in the south. It has become a, a hub for young people. In fact, the largest mall in Israel is being built in, in Beersheba. <laughs> the largest amphitheater. The mayor is insistent on bringing a lot of culture to the south. Um, there is a new river park that is an artificial river that is being built with a boardwalk. It is quite incredible, and I encourage people to go and see it. It will change your perception of the south. And uh, if we wonder if Beersheba is the capital of the south of Israel, we've always said that in, in different ways. Now it's really becoming a reality. Now it is. Now it is. Now there's innovation. There's entrepreneurship. There's the ability to, to live there, and if you need to work in other parts of the country, you can. But the idea is also to bring employment centers to the south. How does this work? Do people call and say, I want to head to the north or south? Or is this a process where folks that you're getting to go to either place are really those who are unsure where they want to move to when they make that initial call to Nevis Benevish? I think that uh, initially the programs drew a different type of an ole, but as the infrastructure is being built, we, our partnership with the Kakal JNF is investing heavily in the infrastructure. And if you build it, they will come. And this has become that field of dreams. So if you build infrastructure, if you provide opportunity for jobs, if you have institutions of higher learning, uh, medical schools, uh, Ben-Gurion boasts one of the best engineering schools in the country, you will attract people. And we believe very much in synergy between our programs. Here we have 3,000 IDF soldiers that we are 
um, taken care of in our lone soldier program. When they leave the army and they finish their service, uh, many of them who are stationed in the north and south, if you provide them with housing opportunity and study opportunity, and it's a cheaper way of living, but they have a community, if we can build a community, you can do that. And we can see we've done this in other communities in Israel, in the center of Israel, and there's no reason why if you don't apply the paradigm properly, you can drive the human capital to the north and south of Israel. And any service that Nefesh Benefesh provides, nobody has to leave the north or south now to take advantage of it. You've set it up where everything's available to them in that correct, area. Correct, correct. So this, this, this new program, Go South and Go North, is to attract Olim. Our goal is to bring 1,500 new Olim and what we call relocators. Veteran Olim who came with us and now are saying, you know what, maybe we will look into moving to the south. Ah. And uh, we've put it out there and it is, it is quite remarkable to see what people are saying. Just last week we had a program in the center of Tel Aviv. Our, our Olim are idealistic. They're ambitious. They want to make a difference. And this is a way that their presence can be felt. Of these 330 uh, Olim, any idea what percentage are go north, go south people? Uh, is it significant, this trip, or not? This this trip is really the IDF. Right. This, this trip is all focused about the IDF. But again, I don't want to forget all those families and singles that are making Aliyah, close to 380 right. of them. Um, so I would say a certain percentage are going to the south and the north, maybe 15 20%. Our previous flight was the periphery and the children flight, and we had more of a presence there. But ultimately, it's... We have group flights all the time, and we will see those numbers at the end of the year. We're seeing an interest. Dorit Friedman, your recommendation for anybody who wants to take advantage of these programs is simply contact Nefesh Benefesh. Absolutely. nbn.org.il, 8664-ALIAN. And if they mention north or south, they will get one of your great people to direct them Absolutely. appropriately to the place they want to go to. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And Mazel Tov. Thank you. Thank one of the first, the first employee at Nefesh Benefesh 11 years ago. JM and the AM, as we continue, more coming up. We will... Uh, speak with a soldier and his mom who will join us live via telephone coming up at JM in the AM.
in the AM. That is the uh, amazing Rav Shlomo Kalbach. What else can we say? Great words to uh, include in our JMAM broadcast from the 50th Nefesh Benefesh Charter flight as we get ready to um, be part of this flight and uh, see what it's all about, feel what it's all about, uh, see and hear and just uh, capture this incredible uh, and amazing uh, emotional day as uh, people head to Israel and leave uh, North America on a permanent basis for the final time and uh, and uh, land in Israel in Tel Aviv and Ben-Gurion uh, Airport uh, tomorrow. I believe we have both uh, Aryeh Durgel and his mom, Hadassah, with us live via telephone. Aryeh, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Aryeh, good morning to you. Uh, you are heading to the IDF. You're one of the uh, over 120 soldiers that are on this flight today. Are you all set? Uh, I'd like to think so. <laughs> Where are you from? Well, I was born in Montreal, Canada, and I've been living in New York for the past three years. How did you make a decision to head to the Israeli army? Um, ever since I went to Israel after my bar mitzvah, I've known that Aliyah has been something I've wanted to do. Standing at the Kotel for the first time, I kind of felt like I'd been tapped on the shoulder by God, uh, as funny as that sounds. Um, and an integral part of being an Israeli is serving in the IDF. And that's it. So your decision was, if you are going to move to Israel, you're going to go straight to the army. Exactly. Now, is your mom with us? Hadassah, are you with us this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Great to speak with you. Tell us your feelings on this very special day. Well, my first feeling is pride. You know, I, I brought all my children up to believe in Israel, and, you know, hopefully I, I hoped for them the one day that they would make Aliyah. I didn't realize that the moment my son would turn 18, he'd be gone. But uh, I'm, I'm very proud. Of course, the mother in me is, is a little bit sad because he's my oldest and he's leaving home and flying the nest. But I, I couldn't be more proud. You know, he, he doesn't have to leave the comforts of North America. He's flying off to Israel. He's serving in an army that he doesn't have to serve in. And he's chosen to do this because he feels that that is where he belongs. And, you know, what more could you want for a child? Aryeh was... Arye, was mom very involved in this process, aside from the education that she gave you, of course? But was she, she very involved in the last few months, or you were basically doing yes, your own thing uh, as you were making this? she helped me with the forms. She went with me to my interview with the Jewish agency. She's been very supportive. My parents have been nothing but supportive. Unbelievable. Incredible. I'll tell you, I guess, Hadassah, you always wanted uh, your children to be Zionists. You never just thought that it would, it would be to this extreme, huh? Um. I think I kind of hoped, but I didn't realize what the actual practicality of that hope was. <laughs> and sure enough, today, you'll be at the airport later, right? We're on our way. We're stuck in traffic. Fantastic. I know it's raining out there and there's some traffic, so good luck getting here. We look forward to celebrating with you and being part of the flight when Aryeh not only makes Aliyah, but actually uh, heads to Israel to enlist in the Army. Arye, kolakavod to you, and the Mam Hadassah, kolakavod to you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. JM in the AM at five minutes before eight o'clock. A big thank you to all the folks that have been helping us logistically. A big thank you to uh, Miriam L. Wallach, who's producing our show, and of course, ZK, our engineer, Stan, our engineer back in Jersey City. 
A big thank you to uh, David Netkin, who helped us prepare for the trip. I want to thank David for his hard work over the last few weeks. Uh, a big thank you to our friends at Talk and Save, who are continuing to keep us connected while we're traveling in Israel. And we will be, in addition to Ben Gurion Airport on Tuesday, we will be at the uh, Yeshivat Shalvim and Shalvim for Women on Wednesday, and then again at Ormeo Bracha on a Thursday. And I remind you that the Israel show with Mayor Weingarten is coming up right after JM and the AM. And I would assume that today is really the uh, the day to tune in to the Israel show as the mayor is going to follow us right after JM and the AM. Um, and as soon as I find what Mayor announced regarding the Israel show, I'll let you know he's got a great plan for today. He's going to be... Uh, doing another amazing feature, and we'll get to it as soon as I find it here at JM and the AM. Uh, on Facebook, Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel. On Twitter, at Nachum Siegel Net. Follow us as we continue to post away from Kennedy Airport. And um, here's what Mayer is going to be doing at 9 o'clock. On the next edition of the Israel Show, debuts galore. He'll debut the opener from this past Thursday's final Poogie concert. Uh, from their 2013 tour and post a link to hear the entire concert. Uh, a new song from Yaram Goon from his upcoming album, the first one he's recorded in many years. A new surprising cover of a Naomi Shemer classic, Odlo Ahafti Dai. A new Meir Milim segment, shedding light on the word Sar. Updates and news from Israel and more. That's coming up right after our show, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning on the stream live. We call it the Israel Show at JM in the AM. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WNYX Montgomery, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web at jmnam.org. Benji Davis is with us, used to be with the Lone Soldier Project, and now he is post-Aliyah advisor and program coordinator at Nefesh. But Nefesh, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good morning. You just arrived this morning? Actually, I've been here, I uh, got here on Friday morning, oh, very spent nice. a little Shabbat, went very to the nice. Yankee game yesterday. Oh, there you go. My son was at the game yesterday, and thank God in the end, everything turned out okay. I was a little nervous <laughs> after Mo gave up those home runs, but I knew. So even living in Israel, you're still following the greatest pitcher of all time, Of huh? course. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm a Dodger fan. I'm from L.A. Ah. Well, you have our Yankee as your manager, so, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I, so I, I thank you for him every day when I, I wake up in the morning. And you also have the most exciting player in baseball right now, so, you know. I'm sure you're still following all of that. Uh, so you you were with the Lone Soldier Project. It must give you great pride that 125 of today's Olim are soldiers. That's correct. Um, yeah, so I made Aliyah four years ago, and I joined the Army a year later. And I was actually helping Lone Soldiers and new immigrants in the draft office. I created a new position to help with the enlistment and placement process. Was that as bureaucratic as everything else was? It's very bureaucratic, but the whole idea of my job was to limit the bureaucracy. A red tape cutter. It's exactly what it was, a red tape cutter, and the idea was to give access and information to the Olim within the army, so I'd be, I was their guy. That was the idea, and then a year later after I finished that job, my commander had left the army to start working for Nevesh Benefesh, and he gave me a call and I said, come with me to join Nevesh Benefesh. We're opening up this lone soldiers program to service not just North Americans, but all the lone soldiers in the IDF. There are 2,800 lone soldiers in the IDF, Wow! and I said, this is just a natural transition for me, especially, you know, I made Aliyah with Nefesh Benefesh, uh, and so, so that's what I was doing. from California, I assume? I'm originally from L.A. Uh, so why does an L.A. boy, this seems to be the question of the day, why does an L.A. boy decide to join the Israeli army? Well, I wanted to live in Israel, and I see it as an obligation of someone that wants to live in Israel to be in the army. So I saw it as a 
it was my I, entrance card into Israeli society. This was something I had dreamed of living in Israel, and I'll tell you, uh, everyone always asks me, why did you make Aliyah? Or I say, well, you know, since age five, my favorite movie was The Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> and they I, ended up in Israel, so you figured you'll end up in Israel. If Charleston Heston couldn't do it, so I was going to take the whole way. I was sold from the beginning. So for me, it wasn't this crazy thought process or this emotional, um, gradual process of deciding, okay, I'm going to make Aliyah and join the army. I just knew, you know, I did a gap year, I go to college, I get my college degree, you know, I go on the podium, I lift my hat up, and then I get on the Nefesh Benefesh plane. That was just my progression in life. So you enlisted at what, the age of 21, 22? 20, 23. 23 years old, you're in the Army. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you're called a post-Aliyah advisor and program coordinator. Is, I mean, is there a lot of post-Aliyah uh, material to review with the soldiers? There's, there is there's a tons, whole right? process. Well, you have the, there's two populations I uh-huh. see. You have the this, this, uh, Olim that are getting out of the Army. And then those Olim that are coming without an Aliyah, without an army obligation. And they're two, they're living two different trajectories of life. Uh, one was in a, a system and a framework where everything they were told what to do. You know, they just had to wake up in the morning and they listened to their commanders. And you know, they're doing something that's so meaningful, but yet they're kind of, you know, they don't have to make the menial decisions that you and I have to make. They don't even decide what to have for breakfast. They don't have to decide anything, <laughs> you know. But it's really ironic in a way because the decisions that they have to make are so much more, you know, it's life or death. Right. But they don't decide what they're eating for breakfast. Right. Whereas in the Olim, you know, they're, they're dealing with the whole transitioning to a new society. And how I saw my army job, which was access information, my job as a post-Aliyah advisor is also access and information. People don't. They're not uh, so attached with the Israeli culture. They might not speak Hebrew so well. They might not understand that, you know, in, there's not a customer service culture in Israel that you have in the state. So how do you transition to that? So my job is to, you know, fill in the gaps and to really just help people succeed in Israel. And I see my job is, all right, there's the pre-Aliyah department in Nefesh Benefesh, which gets them on the charter flight, gets them to the plane. Once they're off the plane, you know, they're mine to, to keep them there. So you're dealing with hundreds of soldiers at a time. I'm dealing with, you have... Let's say in our program right now, we have 1,700 soldiers of the 2,800 soldiers in the IDF. Um, so that's, we're almost there. We've been around for a little bit plus a year. So we have almost all the soldiers. And then with the post-Aliyah, I'm in touch with all the young singles and couples between the ages of 21 and 35 uh, that are living in the, you know, in the center of the country. You don't know, go north or go south. Right. So that, in year one only, is about 735 young Olim between the ages of 21 and 35. Still amazing. It's an unbelievable number. It's an incredible number, and it shows that you know Aliyah is on the the minds, I think, of thousands and thousands of young Jews in North America. And you know, when I come here from New York, I see a bunch of my friends from high school and college, and a common conversation is, "Oh, I just wish I could be in your place. I wish I could do it." You know, I have lists of A, B, and C of why I can't make Aliyah, but I wish I could. Um, and, you know, and I also see another goal. Is that right? So we have their list, A, B, and C. How do we knock off A? How do we knock off B? How do we knock off C? And so they can come home. And if they really want to do it, they'll be able to do it. They could do it. And we're helping them, you know, with the whole pre-Aliyah stuff. But also, just as important is their Aliyah bet. Is, you know, once they land, they got to overcome the challenges. And, of course, there are challenges. I'm realistic, and I want people to not have these romantic expectations of they're moving to Eretz Israel and it, everything's going to be given to them on a silver platter. It's actually the opposite. In Israel, you have to you have to build your own silver platter. But uh, the life is, I think, a much more meaningful life. Benji Davis, he is post-Aliyah advisor and program coordinator with Nefesh Benefesh. The post-Army soldiers... 
I, I would guess that they're, with your help, they're able to incorporate into Israeli society, get jobs, and live productive lives. So the right? two challenge, the two uh, steps are employment or education. Right. So you have the soldier like me, who I did my college degree in the United States, then did the army, and so after the army, I'm thinking, all right, career time, I'm 25 years old, right. I need to find a job. And then you have the other. Uh, actually, my sister, she's in the Army currently. She's in uh, OCATS, the canine special elite unit. So she gets out of the Army in December, and she needs to go to college. So she's asking me all these questions. There, where should I go to school? How do I sign up to get my university degree covered by the government? Right. You know, Where am I going to live? I need a temporary job to help pay for things. Um, so those are really the two elements you know, that we're helping with. And we're the ones that are connecting the, the soldiers after the Army with either the government uh, – departments or with the private organizations that are providing scholarships or, you know, helping navigate uh, different university lists. I just had a meeting last week with an OLE that came in. His Hebrew wasn't so good, and he needed to find an apartment. So we just went on all the different websites, and I said, okay, this apartment costs this much. This is this much. Let's make a list. Um, and, you know, you have the different types of people that they need different services. Unbelievable. Uh, you mentioned your sister. What was the unit that she's with? She's in OKETS. It's a special elite canine unit. It's the only uh, unit in the world that they have highly trained German or Belgian shepherds. And what they're doing, they do a few different things, whether they're sniffing out uh, you know, bombs or they're using them on missions and things like that or at checkpoints. So my sister, she is in the dog carrying unit. So she's helping with th- training the dogs, making sure you know the dogs are going to be ready to fight. So, you know, you have soldiers that are training soldiers, and then my sister is there training the dogs. Unbelievable. Yeah. I'll tell you, call like We're proud. She, she's gotten very good at it, huh? Yeah, she's good. And <laughs> have you seen her in action? I have not seen her in action, but um, I'm not surprised because when I was 13 years old, and so Gabi was 10, and she's like, I want a dog. And so, you know, we got a dog. <laughs> That's where it started. That's where it started. <laughs> Unbelievable. Benji Davis, kolakavot to you. Thank you for all you're doing for Aliyad, for the Jewish people. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure fun. meeting you. Uh, Benji Davis, the post-Aliyad advisor and program coordinator at Nefesh Benefesh. Uh, reach Nefesh Benefesh, nbn.org.il, nbn. Dot org, dot il, or 866-4-ALIYAH, 866-NUMBER-4, and then A-L-I-Y-A-H. Later today, right where we are sitting at this very moment, an amazing ceremony as hundreds will be heading to Israel with Nefesh Benefesh on their 50th charter flight. This is JM in the AM.
sit here on these shores Return again, return again to you From these shores, return again to you J.M. in the A.M. Imesh Gachayich, Aryeh Kunzler. Oh, we've been playing appropriate music this morning as Nefesh Benefesh gets ready for the 50th chartered flight. A lot of conversations with Israeli soldiers this morning, appropriate, because a lot of Nefesh Benefesh Olim today are heading straight to the army. Uh, 125 of today's 331 Olim are heading straight to the army. Imagine that. And we ask all of them the same question every time they sit down or if they're on the phone. Why would a kid from Montreal or L.A. or Atlanta or Baltimore or New York and New Jersey, including uh, a woman we had on from Chicago, why, a young lady, why would you want to head to the Israeli army? And it's amazing listening to the answers. Some parents out there are doing an amazing job, I can tell you that much. That's what's, uh, what, that's what's obvious from some of what we're learning today. The um, the folks here at JFK Airport, when the ceremony begins, will be joined by Deputy Consul General at the Consulate General of Israel in New York, Shlomi Kaufman, Chairman of the Israeli Scouts, Eli Ben Yosef, Director of Aliyah Absorption and Special Ops Unit of the Jewish Agency for Israel, Yehuda Sharf, El Al's Vice President of North and Central America, Danny Sadon, and co-founders of Nefesh Benefesh, Rabbi Yoshua Fass, and Tony Gelbart. Uh, the ceremony begins officially about 11 o'clock. And we'll be here with an eyewitness account of what is going on. Make sure to be tuned into our Tuesday program from Ben Gurion Airport as we uh, brief everybody on what is happening at the big celebratory atmosphere, the big celebration in Tel Aviv. Adam Berman is here. Adam Berman is a 23-year-old young man who's uh, making Aliyah from the state of Ohio. He's a Yale graduate uh, taking a break from graduate school programs. Um, both of his great-great-grandfathers served in the Civil War of the United States of America. Adam Berman, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you for having me. That's interesting that both great-grandfathers were in the Civil War. They, well, it was my great-great-grandfather and my great-great-great-grandfather. Unbelievable. So was, yeah. And served where, if I may ask? Um, well, actually, uh, they, they served on the on the wrong side, I might say. They, well, uh, I don't know if I'd say that, <laughs> but okay. Um, yeah, they, they came to, uh, to this country from Germany in the 1850s, came through Galveston, Texas, and, right. settled, and settled in um, in Savannah, Georgia. Right. So they served at Fort Pulaski. Both Galveston and Savannah, big port cities for Jewish immigration at that time. Seriously, not no joking yeah. around. 
and they settled in the South, and uh, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll leave it to history to decide if they were right or wrong, but the answer is they served for the South in the Civil War. So now why does a 23-year-old who has graduated, right? Undergrad is done at Yale. The right? undergrad is done. Uh, who has graduated from Yale and now has embarked on graduate school studies, why would a gentleman from Ohio with that resume decide to move to Israel? Um, well, saying I've embarked on graduate school studies might be jumping the gun slightly. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been looking at graduate programs and, and plan on going to graduate school, um, but I have not actually enrolled anywhere. Um, but I, this has been a dream of mine for, uh, for a long time, and uh, it's something that I wanted to do initially after high school and after I'd spent a year in Israel on, um, on Nativ, uh, the United Synagogues Gap Year program. And uh, my parents told me that if I still felt the same way uh, after I graduated from college, then they'd be supportive, and, uh, and I stuck with it. And um, yeah, I, I didn't, didn't see a degree as a... Yeah, as, as a reason not to uh, continue to, to fulfill my dreams. So if you do decide to go to graduate school, it's going to be in Israel, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, I mean, luckily, uh, one of the, the Aliyah benefits is uh, a tuition-free uh, master's degree if you, if you come with a bachelor's. So, um, so that's definitely a very attractive option. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to, to shop around and, and, and see what the uh, best... Uh, educational opportunities are. Um, I mean, my my heart is definitely in Israel. Looking forward to going and becoming a citizen, um, and and hopefully I'll, I'll I'll eventually be there for the long haul as well. Um, I guess, yeah. I I don't have um, my life so uh, so so neatly scripted, but um, <laughs> but but it'd be, definitely graduate studies in Israel is a is a, is a very attractive option. So your I'll parents your parents declared after high school that they that they plan in the future of being supportive. Did it come true? Are they being supportive? Uh, they right are, now? and they, they are they're here today. They uh, they drove me out from Ohio. They, they've been incredibly supportive. You they, drove here from Ohio to meet the plane? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I mean, over over a couple of days. Understood. Um, and uh, yeah, they they are incredibly supportive. It's been a very emotional um, last couple of months. I've been home since uh, since graduation, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, there's been a lot of uh, you know talking about you know family history and you know you know feelings and crying and and, and emotions. What but city are you from in Ohio? From Columbus. Oh, from, from from Arizona. yes, from from Bexley, to right. the suburb of Columbus. That's that neighborhood, right? Exactly. That everyone always talks about. <laughs> well, pleasure meeting you, Adam Berman. Yeah. Congratulations. You Thank are you uh, what I call yet another one of the uh, incredible Jewish heroes that we're meeting today. Oh, that's and Hatzlah All right. Thank you very much. Look Thanks forward for to me. being on the same plane later on. Right. Uh, now, if I have this right. This is Ben Yablon and Miriam Clayman. Is that correct? Is that yeah. Th- that's the right pronunciation? Yep. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Me. You can grab this as well. Thank you very much. Uh, they. Oh, you met in Israel? Uh, yeah, we met on the uh, Israel Experience at Bar-Ilan program um, in uh, October. What, now, what is the Israel Experience at Bar-Ilan program? That, it's meant for who? Is it meant for uh, Americans or folks from outside Israel? Yeah, it's, a, it's an American one-year program. Um, that's done what, in the middle of college or what? Before college. Even before yeah, college. Yeah, after finishing high school. Right. And why did you decide to uh, embark on a program like that? Uh, well, I knew I, um, I knew I wanted to come to Israel, and I wasn't sure really. I, I always had in the back of my mind for a really long time that, you know, Israel is something very important, and I, you know, I've always been considering Aliyah. And uh, I don't know, I guess I wanted to test drive it or something. I don't know. So I went for a year and, you know, saw how it was and Good. Worked out well, huh? Yeah. And now the rumor is that you want to be in the Israeli Air Force? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I come from a flying background. I have my Maybe. Well, I have my uh, pilot's license. Um, I got it when I was 17. and uh, But I've been flying before that, too. My, my dad's a pilot. My grandmother was a... Um, she trained with NASA. Wow. In the, um, 
uh, teacher in space program. Interesting. So she was a pilot and a captain in the uh, Civil Air Patrol. And when you say and your father's a pilot, that means what? Uh, professionally? He, he, no, no, just a, civil, a recreational civilian pilot. recreational pilot. Yeah. Interesting. And, um, Are you a good pilot? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> My passengers. Think so. Do you have confidence <laughs> in today's pilot? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know they're uh, they're the best. <laughs> from what you hear, they're yeah. very good. Yeah. Huh? Well, they they all come from the army. So. Well, Baruch Hashem for that. Uh, is it much different being somebody with an ambition uh, to go to the air force than the general army? A lot of people today who are just you know enlisting in basic training, going to the army. Do you have to go through a very special, different type of uh, orientation to get to the air force? Well, yeah. It's. Um, it's pretty different, you know. I um, going through the pilot training course. It's uh, three years of training, and you come out with a, a bachelor's degree. And it's um, it's uh, very intensive, and it's kind of a different. It's a different way than than what a lot of these people are doing. I, you know, obviously, it's very very difficult to get into, right. and uh, I hope I can live up to it. Do you need perfect eyesight? Um, I from what I hear, it depends on what you're flying. So. <laughs> What's your favorite plane to fly? Uh, favorite plane to fly? Yeah. Um, or you I, only fly one type? No, I've flown a lot of different types. So um, is there a favorite? Like, is there a uh, favorite type? I don't yeah. know. My, my dad has a Piper Cherokee, so that's what I fly. That's you know, what you're most not, comfortable with? Yeah, it's not, you know, nothing too flashy. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I flew that 16 hours in one day once back from... Uh, from Wisconsin, holy just, cow! Uh, just last week, actually. From so. Wisconsin to this area, to, to Oregon, actually. Wow, where I'm Unbelievable. from. Uh, so, Miriam, what are your plans? Um, well, I am going to Midrash at Lindenbaum, right? Which is a pre-army program where, or you can you can also do Sherit Lumi, right. but I'm doing Army, and they put you into either intelligence, Air Force, or education, which are very broad um, departments of the Army, but they check up on you during the army, and they give classes, and they have Shabbatons and stuff. Where are you from originally? I'm from Denver. So why does a young Jewish girl from Denver decide to go to the Israeli army? I actually decided to make Aliyah two years ago, but I wanted to do college first, and so I was going to not go to Israel for a year, and then I was just going to get done with college and then make Aliyah, and then last minute I kind of decided to go for a year because I really wanted to because I love Israel and um, I guess things just didn't work out that way and I changed my plans unbelievable and it's gonna go, and you're gonna be enlisting, I assume, in October, November, like everybody else in this group, right? No, I'm oh, you're going to the, the pro- year, correct. So next summer, correct. hopefully. Well, good luck to you. Thank you. And thank you for uh, allowing us to speak to you. Uh, I consider both of you Jewish heroes, like everybody else who's uh, heading straight to the army, and all the people that are on this flight in general today. So, Hatzlacha uh, Rabba in the Holy Land. Yeah, thank, thank you very you. much. Ben Yablon, Miriam Clayman, another uh, uh, two of the uh, amazing people that are heading straight either to the Israeli army or to a program that will eventually uh, get them into the Israeli army or, in Ben's case, to the Israeli Air Force, Bezrat Hashem. This is a JM in the AM Monday morning broadcast as, as we are with Nefesh Benefesh, and we are uh, broadcasting live from JFK Airport. We'll be on the plane later today with all these Jewish heroes and then, of course, on the uh, uh, at the uh, Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv as we broadcast from the incredible celebration that's coming up on the other side of the world. Chai Ofra Chaza, this is JM in the AM. Shai Ofra Chaza, this is JM in the AM. 
Joshua Fass and I were just discussing the uh, possibility of retiring the Making Aliyah theme. No, just getting you a theme song. <laughs> Maybe switching it to a different theme. Why, you don't want a theme anymore, huh? You're, you're, it's passe for you at this no, point. No, let's shake I things know. up. Let's shake things up a bit. 
Uh, it's funny because we got an email on Friday. Uh, Yala Katzen was on, and a listener was angry. Why didn't you do the uh, theme? I said, no, 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 the theme. We can have a collective theme. It's only for my fest. Oh, the theme thank you is, so much. That was, you know. uh, speaking of people who are in touch with us, I want to say hello to the Dolman family. I was told by Cousin Ellie on Friday that the Dolman family is making Aliyah today. So mazal tov to the Dolman family. Uh, that should be uh, Mr. and Mrs. Penny Dolman. Uh, and I want to say hi to the Finkelsteins, because we know the Finkelsteins' cousins. And the Finkelsteins today are on the flight, and they are making Aliyah today. So, right? Am I right? Aaron? Is it the, the Aaron Finkelsteins? We want to wish them a Hatzlacha Rabbah. Uh, and, of course, to the Davidowitzes, who um, we know their family for many, many years. They are on the flight today. The Raps family, who, I, I don't know, the Raps family, I think, sent all their kids to the Israeli army and then decided, okay, it's time we go ourselves. That's basically what happened. Uh, the Raps family has been such an incredible um, beacon of Zionism for uh, for for so many in Bergen County and New Jersey and the tri-state area, and of course, uh, we are connected with TABC, where their where their sons made such a tremendous impact on our kids. And uh, today they make Aliyah as well. So to Debbie and Dove, we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Fass is here. We congratulate him again on being recognized by Yeshiva University for all of his accomplishments. He spoke at the uh, commencement back in May. Uh, you included a whole bunch of very inspiring things, Rabbi Fass, and I thank you for that. I recommend it to those who are able to view it online. They should go and check it out. It was quite a quite a speech. It must have been um, something for you to be recognized by your alma mater and to know that the uh, that YU, which of course is so uh, is so important in the whole uh, American Zionism uh, scheme, I'm sure was a very uh, a touching thing for you to be recognized and to address that crowd. It was very touching. It was a very touching moment. It's, it was a little bit surreal because my parents like dropped me off at the doorstep of MTA, and uh, I think while you raised half my life, I went to MTA, NYU, and Smicha, and Azrieli. So it, w- it was uh, it was very poignant, a very emotional day, especially for myself and my partner Tony Gelbart for both of us uh, receiving the citations because um, it's been a, it's been a long journey, often lonely, and to get that support and to get that uh, open chizuk was uh, very heartwarming. Where did you first meet Tony Gelbart? He was a congregant of mine in Boca Raton Synagogue. And this is a dream. You came to him. He came to you. You were sitting around at a kiddish one day and came up with this idea. How did it work? How did it work? <laughs> I was cooking up the dream of uh, the concept of Nefesh B'Nefesh, and I was giving a drusha sermon that morning, and I was looking out into the crowd, and I was like, ah! Tony. I need to share it with Tony. He's the one. He is the one. He is philanthropic. He has business savviness. He's, he has connections with Israeli politicians. I need to share this idea with him. So right after Kiddush, <laughs> I said, uh, Mr. Gelbart, could we please, I want to share an idea with you. And we both came home two hours late to lunch. I think our wives still remember that Shabbat. <laughs> and, uh, and from that point, he said, I need a couple of days to think about it. If I'm in, I'll be in 200%. And uh, 24 hours later, he called me up and he said, "Josh, let's do it." And, and he has been in 200 percent every right? day. I was. Uh, I, mean, we, I would guess there are a million opportunities for you guys to part ways and to, you know, to one to say to the other, "Hey, you know, just good luck." But you know, I, I put in my my time and effort. Good luck, but no. It's it's a brotherly relationship. We speak uh, over the last 11 years that we've been involved in this. We speak around five to ten times daily. There's not uh, not a day, even whenever we rarely go on vacation or. The, and, before Chagim, that's the, the, f- the few days that we don't speak. Right okay. before Shabbat, right after Shabbat. Right. Uh, was there a large percentage of your former congregation in Florida that actually made Aliyah with Nefesh Absolutely. The first few years, we saw major clusters of, of f- remarkable families that moved. 
So you know a lot of folks in Israel at this point. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's hard to go out for, for a night out alone. I can imagine. Uh, so today is the 50th Charter Aliyah flight. I'm sure you remember the first. It was in this very building, I would assume, right? Was yeah. this terminal built back then? I yes. think it was, right? And the ceremony was on the other side, correct? Yeah. And at that time, boy, did it uh, uh, garner a lot of attention. Right? The ceremony was not even on the other side. Where was the it? ceremony was actually... Where there's a, a new, where there's an airlines right now. I'm pointing, not that the radio <laughs> listeners can actually see what I'm doing. Uh, but, uh, we was near the windows where oh, the elevator is closer, closer to, closer, the, drop closer to the drop-off point. And it was incredible, incredible moment. It, 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 the press descended on the first plane from channel, you know, NBC to CNN. They were so everywhere. Everywhere. It was, it, we didn't even anticipate any of that. And the security was off the charts. It was just, but it was an incredible first day. And, and, and after it landed, I turned to Tony. I was like, now what? Like, <laughs> now that we've got Because we had our business plan, but like, yeah, really? And, and now that we pulled that off, what, 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 what was in store? And, and that first flight was a, a first of many. It was the first time that there was a charter flight of Aliyah in yeah. Israel's history. There was the first time that we tried to create all these different steps, these novelties with, with, uh, with the bureaucracy. That we try to create these new concepts of processing individuals on the flights and having Misrata Pim there and Ministry of Interior and the clerks and at that time, just to remind you, we had a, we were creating the the identity cards for the right. Olim and at that time there were no digital anything. Right. We had Polaroid cameras. Now there were 419 people on the plane, and we had to take Polaroid shots of every single individual so that Misrata Pim, the Ministry of Interior clerks, would be able to make the IDs for the individuals. Now, it takes five minutes as ferociously as you shake one of those, you know, things. And you remember <laughs> the that? Polaroid pictures. Exactly. Like, we ever accelerated the process of We're drawing We're the blow dryers. It. And just, just, and the backdrop was one, it was a galley, uh, the galley curtain. <laughs> so they closed Yeah. So we closed down one of the kitchens. We used that as the, as the, as the passport Polaroid, uh, shot. And I was in charge of it because it was our first major purchase. Uh, for the organization, we got the Polaroid camera and thousands of dollars worth of like uh, film. a film. It was tremendous. <laughs> How many staff members were there at that time? We had f- uh, seven, That's five, it. five, and everyone's all in doing. Everyone, yeah, it was incredible. It was incredible. Unbelievable. Are we never going to approach that number again? Can we have over 400 on the flight now or not? You can't. Uh, the, you cannot do it anymore. The the jumbo the configurations of the jumbo jets now can fit 340 right. um, coach. And yeah, that's where we'll stay for a while. And that's where we're at. Unless right. there's a reconfiguration. In that flight, that 419, the reason why we had it is because they didn't, for some reason, it was a plane from Singapore, and they pulled out all the business seats and shoved in coach. It. And so it was a full coach plane, except for the first few seats in first. But uh, And that's why we are able to have 30 more people. Unbelievable. Rabbi Josh Fass is here. It's uh, Nefesh Benefesh celebrating its 50th charter flight. And you know, folks, every 50 uh, charter flights, we come out to broadcast from JFK. <laughs> yes. So here we are uh, today with amazing statistics. We alluded to this uh, last hour. Now we've got to go into detail from your perspective. This whole Israeli soldiers, 125, and we're talking about way over 30% of this plane, are, uh, we're asking every one of them, we, and thank God by phone and in person, we met a lot of them this morning. I'm asking the same question. Why would a kid from Montreal, why would a kid from Denver, why would a kid from Atlanta, why would a kid from Connecticut uh, go to the Israeli army? And the, the responses are that our Jewish parents, it seems, are doing a pretty good job out there. Absolutely. The essays are so inspiring. Before a flight, I asked to, to look at all the essays that the families write in their applications and, and these kids write in their applications. And, and I just sit on the plane coming in, just reading these essays. 
and it just it blows you away. The, the maturity of individuals, especially at 18 years old, of wanting to to devote themselves to the past, present, future of the Jewish people, of, of defending our, and, and not wanting to be on the sidelines, of really wanting to make something of themselves and to impact the Jewish people. And just over and over again, so many different ways it resonates in, in all these essays. And just very powerful stuff. Earlier today we heard many times, this is my entry into Israeli society. This is my requirement. This is my duty, my obligation. My, if, I, if I'm going to be a member of the Jewish people, this is what I have to do. I go to the army. It really is amazing. All right, so now tell me about this whole concept, because I don't think years ago or even more recently, you dreamed that such a large percentage would be Israeli soldiers who are making Aliyah with you, right? Correct. Uh, a few years back, we were helping maybe maximum 100 or so soldiers every single year. Um, these are lone soldiers who wanted to make Aliyah, and we were facilitating their Aliyah to Israel. That ballooned to around 300 or so a year, 350 from North America. A lot with uh, efforts that we were putting in place, and a lot also with Garin Sabar, Sofim program, that also were attracting and, and doubling their numbers. Around a year and a half ago, we were approached by the Friends of IDF, FIDF, and the Army, Israel Tzahal, and they said, listen, it's not fair what's happening here. In barracks and in tents around Israel, we have these North American kids who are getting unbelievable service. They have buddy families. They're getting packages. They're getting grants. They're getting phone calls every single week. They get laundry. And the kid from France or the kid from Mexico and the kid from Venezuela, the kid from Argentina, the kid from Moscow, they're also equally heroic. They're doing incredible things, and they have no support. So either you have a choice, stop or equalize. And... Uh, and they challenged us. They said, do you think you, as this Yankee American nonprofit, do you think you can expand to every single country? And we're like, sure. And uh, two months, three months later, we created a multilingual website. We researched every country of, of just what were the needs and the legalities and the sensitivities. And we hired the most incredible multilingual, multilingual multinational staff that uh, is, the, who were once themselves Chayilin Bodedim from all these different countries. Which means now that I have a lone French, soldier... I have a Spanish, and I have three Russians. I was just going to say, so a lone soldier from Russia, from Argentina, from South they Africa. They have a toll-free number, and it goes to this, this different staff cell phone numbers and to our central location in Tel Aviv. We moved an office now into Tel Aviv that just deals with lone soldiers. And now we have a lone soldier branch that's dealing with, get ready for these numbers, a thousand... Lone soldiers that come every single year, and at any time of the Sherut, around 3,000 Olim. 3,000 people right now are lone soldiers who are in active combat service that we're involved in. And every single year, a 1,000 people leave their hometowns, leave their families, and make this decision. To and, come and here at 18, 19, 20 years old and to fight for, the, for, for our Jewish army. And I feel I have to add, and I don't know if you agree or not, but some of the organizations and the IDF itself that you mentioned were doing you know, a, a nice effort when it came to the lone soldiers, just not to the capability or the extent that, that you were able to do. Let me tell you, the issue, the biggest issue that was happening was that it was, it was, not, uh, there was not one address. It was not localized. Right. So you had pockets of individuals. So you had a tent of Chayilim getting pizzas before Purim, and right. you had this getting Meshachman. There was not one package, uh, this unified service package that was given to every Chayabodin. And the army said, it's enough already. 
we don't have an address, we don't know who to call, we don't know how to, and we're giving these permits to these individuals coming into this space, and we're giving this permit to this, and we can't do that. We need one address, we need to have, we need to know what every Chayabo data is receiving, we need to create one unified service package, and we have to have one address who's going to actualize that service package to these individuals. And it's been incredible. I mean, right now, we, we interface with the Army on a daily basis. Um, every individual who enlists in the Army every day, we get pop-ups in our, on our database. We send them information even before they enlist. It's an incredible relationship. And there is one Katovit. There's one address for these Chayelim Bodedim. Chayelim Bodedim. Uh, so now there's an equality, or we're heading toward equality, as you just mentioned, in terms of everybody. What about their Israeli brethren? Is there a, is there a jealousy factor because those who live in Israel and have family in Israel are not treated the way lone soldiers are treated? <laughs> so we, we, you're, you're dead on with that. We started... We started having different events oh, that we've included other chayalim <laughs> who are not bodedim to be able to come. But uh, so the, you'll be running the Israeli army. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's, it's important. It's important. It's it's a major it's a major disadvantage. Yeah, you have to that you're alone, that you do not have a family or a, a place that you're familiar with that you can crash. And you have to understand and get into that mentality of an individual who's doing such heroic measures, but they need to know that they have an address, that they have some, they have family. And we, we, we don't even want to call it Lone Soldier Program anymore because right. the service out there and the love that's out there and the embrace that's out there, they're not lonely. They're not alone. They're being embraced and supported, as you said, maybe even better than their Israeli <laughs> brethren. So, it seems. <laughs> so maybe Ole soldiers and not lone soldiers because they're really not alone anymore. Rabbi Fast, co-founder Nefesh Benefesh, will be traveling and will be traveling with him, but he'll be traveling with 125 IDF soldiers and 331 Olim from a month and a half uh, uh, the youngest to 75 years old. You've had people in their 90s on these flights. Yes, we have. 75 is a youngster. Yeah, yeah, 75. It's not what you're talking about. Why are we even saying 75? <laughs> you have had people in their it's like 90s. like a teenager. Make Aliyah. You're waiting for the first 100-year-old, right? That would we're be... so close. Uh, no, you're not serious. We had a, a 97, 98-year-old one. That so. is unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> couldn't persuade them to wait a couple of years. <laughs> no, that, was a, that was actually a story that I, uh, if we're talking about our 50th sure. anniversary. I, I, 50th flight. 50th flight, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, <laughs> you don't want to think yet about the 50th anniversary. can't even imagine. <laughs> but I, there was a very emotional moment. That 96, 97-year-old who was on the flight was an Auschwitz survivor. <gasps> and I placed her in business class because uh, I just wanted to make sure that she was as comfortable sure. as possible. And she connected at this... JFK ceremony to this eight-year-old girl. Somehow they connected. Their eyes met. And this eight-year-old girl was sitting next to her during the JFK ceremony. And again, over and over again on the flight, they just kept on connecting to a point that I, I sat there next to each other, you know, the last couple of hours of, of, uh, of the flight. And, uh, and then when the doors opened, and she, she, she took this eight, eight-year-old girl's hand, and they walked down the, the the stairs together and to, to to as new Israeli citizens and and you can see her number on on her arm and just holding this kid with all these gumi bracelets it was <laughs> like the most modern Jewish eight year old girl with uh, with the ancestry of a ninety seven year old individual who's such seen such horrors of our Jewish people and and seeing the hope of a rehabilitated rejuvenated nation and to have her say to this little girl are you nervous and the girl's like, I am. She's like, me too. And they held each other's hands and they walked down and I just lost it. I was on the bottom of the stairs. I was walking right behind them and I just started crying. I couldn't, uh, 
There were a few moments over the last 11 years that I just I couldn't hold it anymore. Unbelievable. Uh, and that's a scene that will not be replayed very often in, in our future, as we know. Uh, we have to keep that in mind. This is uh, this is this is not just about the present and future. Nefesh Benefesh is also about the past, and uh, the past has been. Uh, very, very difficult for many people, and uh, we hope that the uh, present and future will be much brighter. Nefesh Benefesh, by the way, at nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il. In fact, it's funny, I uh, was listening to an interview I did uh, 10 years ago with the Abraham family yesterday. The website was different back then. We actually made people write out Nefesh Benefesh. Absolutely. You to earn it. You had to earn it. <laughs> That's right. Now it's nbn.org.il, or you can call 8664-ALIYAH, 866-NUMBER-4, and then A-L-I-Y-A-H. When you were, uh, over the last few years, every time we've spoken, we always uh, go through um, a, a basic checklist of information uh, in terms of where people are moving. We've approached that topic today in terms of uh, all the way up and down sure. in Israel, and we've spoken about the numbers and, of course, North American Aliyah and where people are coming from, and every state and province uh, is uh, represented. We always talk about that today. We met somebody from Columbus, Ohio, and Minnesota, and we had a, a girl sitting here from Denver. I mean, it's just, you know, they're, they're from everywhere and all over the place. Uh, but one of the things we always uh, put on that checklist was about the advances in technology and all the different things that have made the flight and the Aliyah even easier. Now we're at a point where I don't even know what you could do to make it even easier. I, the only thing I could think of is maybe somebody would actually like uh, you know put their hand on a on an electronic imaging machine and the entire thing would be processed within seconds. That might be so the only thing. So let me tell you. Left. Let me tell you what's happening now. When when you finish your radio show, you'll walk in and you'll see 300 people being uh, checking in for the flight, but they're going to come to a table, and before they even get to the table to get their ticket. And to sign in, we have our clerks, our staff, walking with Ministry of Interior clerks, and they're signing up and they're doing all the paperwork already before they even get on the plane. Official people. Official people. There, and that information is being sent over to the offices now in Israel so that it's already being printed so that when they land, they'll have an automatic just handing over to them over there to that zihut, where their ID cards that usually took weeks to get or hours to wait in line. That's number one. Then they get to the desk, and they're going to be asked how many pieces of luggage do you have. Meaning right. here, at the here. desk. Here, how right. many pieces right. of luggage do you have? And they're going to be given a number. Now, that number is going to be personalized with their name, and it's going to be put on all their luggage pieces, so that during the ceremony, when the luggage is being taken off to save time, we're going to line up all the luggage per family, so that when people come in, they'll go, they'll be number 32, they'll go to number 32, all their pieces of luggage will be waiting for them. But that number also is going right now to staff who's in charge of taxis. Now, when a taxi... <laughs> comes when they finish their processing at the airport after the ceremony there's a one of our staff members is at the door is this too much detail listen to <laughs> this when a person walks out of the office they're going to get on their walkie talkie and say let's say the goldschmidt family has just left the building <laughs> now the goldschmidt family we know because of check-in has 15 different pieces of luggage right. so at that point our staff outside is going to tell the van who's picking up the goldschmidt family who's going to efrat to get ready for their 15 pieces we also have a football team guys coming to load up the luggage onto the taxi. A football team, meaning those who could play American football. Exactly. (laughs) I just want you to get a sense. I know it's too much, way too much logistics. (laughs) I love it. But just to get a sense of just the the pratim, just the details along the way, and the the technology allows us to be ahead and to synchronize all this information to get it to the right place at the right location. I absolutely love it. And the, the torture, and I hate using that word, but... There were families that went through it. It was a torch way before Nevis Nevis. I'm talking about, you know, decades ago. It could be a very difficult process, a very unwelcoming process in Israel. It's every place. 
uh, when doing, I've been doing a lot of studies about immigration process around the world. It's 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 not welcoming every, anywhere, and the bureaucracy is not as worse in Israel than other countries. Really, it's it's, it's a have they seen the Nevis Nevis model? <laughs> it's, you should know it's hysterical. But South Korea sent a delegation to our office to watch everything. To watch everything because <gasps> they said they were getting they were absorbing so many immigrants from North Korea, and they went online to find the most effective model. We thought it was a joke. Nachum, we thought it was a right, joke. Right, we thought it was a perp spiel. And all of a sudden, we had 20 <laughs> delegates from, from the South Korean government come to our office in Jerusalem, and there was a lot of bowing, and, <laughs> and they wanted to learn the process of how to integrate, how to process, how to absorb. And it was incredible. So in, uh, in South Korea, when you see 20 pieces of luggage efficiently With being... With Nefesh hats. Right, exactly. Being, <laughs> being loaded into a cab, you know they got it from you. Rabbi Josh Fass is here, co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh. Just a few minutes left. Uh, feelings before the flight in general. You've seen members of the press. You've seen uh, dignitaries from the Jewish world go on the flight, not stay in Israel, just observe what's going on. I still think that, you know, usually this radio show, wherever it goes, the center of attention, I still think we're like 330-something on the list in terms of Jewish heroes today because... Because you know, this is uh, you're talking you're talking about real Jews that are that are heading on this flight. We're we're nothing, not you. I'm talking about myself. We're nothing compared to what what they're actually doing you're with this nothing. flight. And when you make Aliyah, we'll also be celebrating and having your theme song for you. Now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. And Tel Aviv is going to be remarkable, right? It's going to be as you said earlier, the preda here. The the uh, this is this is a very modest farewell ceremony, and I'll say it later at the ceremony. It's it's really for individuals just to pause, to pause, and to take it all in. Because you can't just make Aliyah with all the technological advancements. You can't just check in and get on a plane. There is historical, miraculous significance to this move, and everyone just has to pause, like kissing a mezuzah. Just pause for a moment and take it all in. And that's what this very modest farewell song, for people to say goodbye, for people to show express pride, and for individuals to really just take in the decision and the achievement that they're about to undertake. The Chagigah, the celebration, is is on on the Israel side. I mean, we had to close off the the numbers. There's a waiting list of over 300 Just people. Just folks who want to be there to greet There's everybody. There's 1,600 people who registered three weeks ago to be at the ceremony. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. There's a waiting list of over 300 people. And then we just closed it. We, it there's no room. We were already over fire code. And there we have hundreds of people that just come just for when the buses come to bring the Olim. And then they leave because we can't sit them. Oh, camps and programs, they, uh, two, three hundred people who just come just to dance and then they leave before the, the ceremony starts. It's an incredible, incredible celebration of modern Zionism. It's a celebration of individuals making ideological choices. It's a celebration of individuals who get it, who get it, who come and want to be part of the Jewish people in the most intense way. You've sat through all the accolades in a lot of different venues, but do you, do you and Tony finally understand your role in changing Jewish history? So, no. And uh, when I landed yesterday... In New York. <laughs> in New York, a stranger came... A, stranger, a person came over to me at the luggage carousel and said, I have the best advice for you. Go to the balcony. So just go to the balcony. He said, you're, too, you're on the you're dance floor. You have to go to the balcony and look down. So because I have, and I'm proud of you, but you should just take a moment and go to the balcony. And I said, thank you. I said, I'll try maybe in 10 years from now. <laughs> but, uh, We're not there yet. It was, a, it was a great, it was a great uh, moment. Unbelievable. Total number of Olim under Nefesh Benefesh, 35,000? More. I mean, More 35,000 at the beginning of the summer. 2,000 people already arrived. We're so we're to, heading toward 40,000. We're, we're at 37 plus, and August is an intense month, and we'll, we're there. We're rounding. We're rounding near at 40,000. And you're probably already thinking of 40, 50, those really, you know. 
as the number. I mean, I can only. I'll, I'll announce it at at uh, at Ben Gurion. But uh, for years, I was always thinking about what the fiftieth flight would would feel like. <gasps> so just Beinenu between you and me. So it's it's an incredible moment to be here for the fiftieth, and now to to experience it, and to we'll see what that feels like on the plane. So what's my next what's my next benchmark? Unbelievable. Say. Rabbi Fast, thank you for having us. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us Just this morning amazing. on the flight. Just amazing. We look forward to the flight. We look forward to Tel Aviv. It is going to be, uh, I talked about on Friday how I was starting to really feel the emotion of this whole experience. My gosh, being here at JFK is just building and building. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when we get to Ben Gurion Airport. A reminder that we will be there tomorrow, and you'll hear the show between 6 and 9 Eastern Time, uh, both on the radio and the stream on Tuesday morning. Make sure to be tuned in. You'll hear the entire experience from Israel, three straight hours from us here at JM in the AM. We stay in Israel through Thursday night. Make sure to be tuned in to all of our programming throughout the entire week. And uh, we salute today, and we use the word salute in a very military way. We salute the 125 IDF soldiers who are part of this flight of 331 Olim. Uh, 41 families, 88 children from every type of profession you can imagine, from all the different, uh, from so many, I should say, different states and provinces of North America, heading to so many different areas of Israel. We didn't approach the topic with our fast, but we did with our other guests from the Go North Go South Department. There are people who are going to every area of Israel that you can imagine. This is not anymore going to the major cities and trying to make their mark as a family in the community and school system of one of the major cities of Israel. This is building communities up north and down south, making a real impact and changing the entire landscape of the state of Israel. We spoke today to uh, two children of the Abraham family who are now in Israel, one in Beit El. We had spoken to them 10 years ago during Aliyah, one now in Beit El and the other one in Mitzpah Yericho. And I think that that sums the entire thing up, if you ask me. Ready to wrap things up on a JM in the AM Monday from JFK. We will do, uh, uh, we will do um, uh, just a bit more of our Nefesh B'Nefesh theme with a right fast and then wrap things up as we always do, and today appropriately so, with Hatikva at JM in the AM.
Achenu Yisrael and Achim Achim, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WNYX Montgomery, 91.9 FM in Rockland County, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. And that wraps up an amazing first leg of our Nefesh Benefesh programming with JM and the AM. And I should say our JMN programming with Nefesh Benefesh. We are heading to Tel Aviv. That's right, folks. Heading to the plane. We will, we will speak to you on the other side as the expression goes. My thanks to everybody who's been helping us out. Uh, my thank you to Miriam L. Wallach for coordinating today's show and for, uh, producing it. My thanks to Tani Kramer on the Nefesh Benefesh side who's been working very hard over the last couple of weeks and got here very early this morning to work with us. To ZK here to stand in the studio to PC guy in Israel. A special thank you to David Netkin and a uh, special thank you to our friends at Talk and Save who are going to keep us connected back to the U.S. once we get to Israel. Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show with a whole bunch of amazing debuts coming up next. Till tomorrow from Ben Gurion Airport, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.